Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of Buzzing About Romance. For this episode, I am going to pay tribute and honor to the late author Julie Garwood. On June 8th, 2023, Romancelandia lost a legend. Author Julie Garwood has passed away. Julie Garwood was 78. She had over 40 million books in print in over 32 languages. She published a total of 36 adult novels. She also wrote under a publishing-owned pen name collective known as Emily Chase and added to the Canby Hall series. She was a New York Times bestselling author. Julie Garwood had a significant impact on romance publishing throughout her career, especially within the historical and contemporary romance subgenres. She is known for her compelling storytelling, strong character development, and engaging plots that have captivated readers. Julie Garwood was a very impactful author for many of us. I actually came across a post and had a conversation with author Eloisa James, and she said that in her interactions with Julie that she was funny and always willing to help out a fellow author, Um, and many have stories like that. But what I want to talk about a little bit is the impact that her stories had on me personally um, as a young reader. Many of us picked up Julie Garwood books in our young age um, because they're the books our moms read. That's how I found her. Her books sat on my mom's nightstand. Um, Julie Garwood published for the first time in 1985. The book that she published was Gentle Warrior. Um, Lots of people say that her book, The Bride, published in 1980, was one of their gateway romances. It was the book they found on their mom's nightstand and ended up reading falling in love with the HEA, and continuing on to read more romance. For me personally, it was her book, The Secret, that was published in 1992. Um, This book was one that caused me to shed some of my small town thinking. It forced me to challenge some of my indoctrination with the Catholic Church and to understand that reproductive rights are imperative to protect the lives of pregnant people. That if we allow others and the church to dictate dictate things and how we behave and the choices that we make, we run the risk of people dying. In the story, The Secret, the heroine um, Judith Hampton is summoned to help her childhood friend give birth. Judith, Judith pushes against the stereotypes and learns all she can about midwifing in order to help her friend. She is escorted to the Highlands by Lord Ian Matilland um, from England into the Highlands in order to help her friend. Um, she has another secret, another secret and a reason to go north, and you'll have to read the book to find out. But in this book, this just shows this cunning, thoughtful woman that wants to be everything she can to her friend. And for me personally, it forced me to look at my own life and to see you know, things that I could change and ways that I could be better and to push against, you know, um, some of the things that I didn't agree with. And there were lots of books within Julie Garwood's, um, her list, her backlist that have these same kind of feels. Uh, Another book that I really just loved of hers was For the Roses. Um, It came out in 1995. And this is one of the first books that really showed me the power of found family. It deals with the uh, push west and being 
um, a group of young people together living in the harshness of uh, the Wild West. And it doesn't necessarily age very well into today's um, view. But at that time, that book, that meant everything to me. I just loved that story of these four boys and the sister that they were raising who wasn't really their sister and the impact of one of the brothers was a runaway slave and being the son of a slave and how the story moves and evolves it's just it was really it meant a lot and even a million years later I feel like I've read that story a thousand times and I think about it often um one of the things that I think is good to know note about Julie is she was able to blend romance with the element of suspense mystery and there was always humor in her books her books were not rom-com but um when I first kind of started doing the podcast I was often teased that I didn't like romantic suspense and it wasn't that I didn't like romantic suspense I just read romantic suspense in the past that I felt was top tier romantic suspense and Julie Garwood was one of those top tier romantic suspense authors for me. Um, Her Buchanan FBI family series is just phenomenal. Each story is unique. There's a little bit of, um, you know, that criminal minds element of hunting down serial killers and uh, just really great heroines within that too. And I actually came across, had a conversation with author Cambria Herbert And um, I saw a post on her social media that she shared about her love of the book Mercy, which is part of that series. And she said I could share her thoughts. Um, When I first moved in with Sean, this is from author Cambria Herbert. When I first moved in with Sean, he was a drill sergeant at the Paris Island for the Marines. The job was incredibly intense and required him to basically never be home. I just moved from Maryland to South Carolina, my first time away from home, and the only person I knew was Sean, and he was at work 90% of the time. I spent a lot of time reading. Back then, we didn't do ebooks or digital stuff like now. I read paperbacks, hardbacks, and went to the library constantly. One of the very first romance authors I ever read was Julie Garwood. Her books were a library shelf staple, and every time I saw her name on the cover, I knew I would like the book. A lot of times, I didn't even read what it was about. I just wanted to add it to my stack. Even now, 20 years later, I can still picture her covers, the front used for the font used for her name on the front of her books. I still remember vividly the smell of the books as I read them and the way they transport me somewhere else. To me, Julie Garwood and a few others, um, it was romance. Her photos filled the back cover, and I was always amazed at her talent to tell a story. The way she weaved her heart-pounding suspense into these romances is something that ignites my love for suspense, and I especially love the books about the Buchanans. The way that Julie told stories, the way she brought you in, there was never a question that this book was going to end in an HEA. And it's funny because, you know, we often talk about epilogues and such, Not many of Julie's books have epilogues in them, and you didn't need them. You felt this solid commitment to each other that these characters had in all of these stories. Um, I, when I learned of Julie's passing, I was just really sad. Um, Her books and her stories left such a mark on me and my love of romance, and even 
you know, from the first time I picked up her book in 1991 to now, I, I love her stories. I read them often and I, they just provide such an escape and they're just, they're like that comfortable, um, sweatshirt and soft pants for me. I feel like this is a little bit of an end of an era for romance as we say goodbye to Julie Garwood, but, um, she was phenomenal, and I am so grateful for everything she did for the industry and also the story she tell, she told. Um, and now we had the pleasure back in July of 2020 to interview Julie Garwood. And when I tell you this is the height of my podcasting dreams and career, um, it was this, that when I got this email confirmation that she wanted to to be on our podcast and that we were going to have the chance to talk with her. I was in awe and so excited. Um, so I would like to share that interview with you again. Um, it took place with her in June of 2020, and this aired originally in our episode on July 10th, 2022. Um, thank you for listening. And Julie Garwood, you will be missed. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Julie Garwood. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, I will say that when your when your uh, publisher's email came back and said confirmed that yes, like you were interested, I might have squealed when I called Leah in excitement. There's, of... there's no might about it. There was definite squealing. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, um, this is such a dream. I'm so excited. Um, so we are really excited to talk to you because you are kind of, I've been referring to you for the last week as like a legend in Romance Landia. You started writing in 1985. Uh huh. Well, yeah, my first, didn't my first book come out in 85 or 86? 86. I think, right. Yeah. And that was Gentle Warrior. Two books at the same time. I had gone back to school and to finish uh, my degree. And at the time that I went back, I had three kids. So, of course, it was one course at a time. You can work it in. But the goal was four-year RN. Um, and I took all the sciences. But... Then I had to take a three-hour history class, and history in high school bored me. <laughs> so the only thing that would fit my schedule was Russian history, and I thought, oh, God, how am I going to get through this? Well, it was fascinating. The professor was a nun, Mr. Jones, and she just made it come to life. I loved it, and... Uh, but, you know, and I thought, okay, I'll take one more. And it just happened to be, I think it was a six-hour course, Ancient and Medieval. And then I was hooked. I love Medieval because of the discipline. Everybody has a place. And because I'm a daydreamer, I thought, well, what if somebody doesn't fit? You know what I mean? Um, and I, one night... Instead of studying, uh, decided to see if I could write what came to be a prologue of a knight getting ready to go into battle. 
and I wanted to describe this guy without describing him. I was showing off. Um, I wanted to show how strong he was, so it takes two servants to carry the shield to him, and he lifts it like it's, you know, a piece of paper. Um, another one has to stand on a stool to put the helmet on, which tells you he's tall. <laughs> anyway, it was silly. Uh, and then I got down to the business of who he was. And he was, of course, a leader, so he was very arrogant. Um, and then I decided when I was done, he was all dressed and nowhere to go. So I decided I would send him into battle, but I'd also mess with him. And that's when I gave him Elizabeth taught him how to be strong anyway that was the warrior book general warrior and she is a feisty feisty heroine like she puts him to his paces (laughs) i know it Uh, the realization (laughs) that you know when he realizes she doesn't think she needs him it just shocks the heck out of him and that's kind of cool, you know, back then, um, women had to be real smart back then to get anything done, sure. and they were. Um, I don't know if we got off on that, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I wrote that book, but at the same time, my youngest was four years old, and he uh, would ride his big wheel from the neighbor's driveway to the corner and back and I of course had to be outside and I was sitting on the steps watching him and one day uh, the family next door welcomed their grandmother to live with them and she would walk up to the corner and walk back and she happened to be out when Jerry was on his uh, big wheel and I thought oh dear god he's going to run over she was very frail but he got off at the corner. She was just standing there. And he got off his big wheel and talked to her. I could see him. And then he took her hand and led her home. And then he came running over to me and said, Grandma forgot where she lived, but I remembered. And I could not get that out of my mind, you know. And so I thought, what would happen if a grandparent moved in that you hadn't seen? Um And how would it affect the family, the dynamic? And I thought, well, I would put it in the viewpoint of someone who would be most affected by it, and that would be a teenage girl. And so I put it in the viewpoint of a 13-year-old, which turned out to be a YA. Yeah. So I had both of those going while I was going to school. So crazy. Um is that a girl named Summer? Is that that book? Yeah. I yeah. love that book. I love that you book. Know, funny. The editor, the agent sent it to, I met her at a conference. I didn't get to go to the conference. I couldn't afford it. But uh, one of the authors invited me to a little tea she was having. And I met the uh, agent as she was leaving because the published authors were all around her. And I just, loved listening to all of them and but as she was leaving she said I didn't meet you who are you and what have you written and I said I wrote a children's book 
and she kind of scrunched up her nose and said, I don't sell many children, but go ahead and send it to me. And she, I swear she patted my hand. And uh, she, I said it was pity that she took me on. But anyway, I sent it. She called me and said, I love this. I'm sending it to Scholastic. And do you have anything else? And I said, yes, I've written a love story, but there's a catch. It takes place in 1086. And she said, that's called the historical romance and didn't add you dork because I didn't know there were categories. My children's book was a YA. I didn't know that, you know, that they had all these. But anyway, she sent it to Scholastic, the YA, and the editor uh, said no. Sent it back and said, nobody wants to read about old people. And a week later, we were getting ready to uh, uh, send it to Putnam, I think. And that same editor called and said, uh, well, nobody's going to read it, but I can't get the story out of my mind, so I'm buying it. It was really kind of backhanded compliment. Fortunately, it did really well. So, so well that they asked me to become Emily Chase, which is, you know, three or four women were writing a series called The Girls of Camby Hall. Yeah. I wrote one for them. And I didn't didn't like the process because they sent you the bio of each girl and then you came up with a story, but they weren't my characters. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was fun. It was a good exercise, but I didn't want to do any more. A good exercise and what you don't like. Yeah. No. Well, and you write a very, very specific heroine um, as far as like they're going to push the boundaries of their time. Their roles are not going to be typical. I think of um, one of my all time favorites of yours is For the Roses. And that that series like. I was so obsessed. I read that book like four times back to back to back to back to back. Like, I, (laughs) but it wasn't typical. I mean, there was nobody else writing that kind of story with, you know, the adopted brothers and, you know, Mama Rose and all of the different pieces in that. And it was so dynamic. And then the final book comes spring I just, and then I'm sometimes a little slow on the uptake and we'll get to your Buchanan series and everything, but it took me a minute to realize that everybody that's in the Buchanan, your current series that you're writing in, all of their Uh names go back to books that are older series that you have. Yes. (laughs) So I'm like, Noah's uh, a Claiborne. What? (laughs) Noah's a Claiborne. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now, Claiborne, I wanted to write another one, but uh, and it, the way my crazy mind works is strange. I see one scene in my head, 
And from that scene, I know the book. And uh, the usually it's the opening two lines that tell the reader what it is. Um, Ideal Man, uh, the opening line was um, the first time she slit a man's throat, she was sick to her stomach. The second time, not so much. And you find out she's a surgeon. Um, you know, it, but when I usually plot when I'm watching TV or I'm at a sporting event, uh, I did a lot of plotting at t-ball games, baseball <laughs> games, you know, uh, football games, you name it. And uh, so the story of For the Roses was they found her in the trash. And that became the Clayton. Strange, huh? I just, that whole series, I just love that. Like, um, so that series, I think, came out mid-90s. And it's not my password anymore, but wrote for the roses six was my password for AOL a million years ago because <laughs> I was so obsessed with that series. Oh, that's cool. You know, Hallmark did the Hall of Fame. They made Rose Hill. Yes. That's, uh, for the roses. And yeah. uh, did you ever watch that? Um, yes. And I had it on VHS <laughs> they had me watch it with don hall and his group uh and you know i was happy i didn't write the screenplay but i remember sitting there and one of them of course is shot and dies and i just said "Uh (laughs) uh-oh i knew what was coming um and that was the irate emails you know and letters and I didn't blame them but one of uh, those might have been for me <laughs> <laughs> like how could you well I didn't you know I write the books right but, uh, I don't know kind of funny I was glad that they did it you know and it was the highest rated movie of the season according to them I don't know but yeah. uh, it's on every once in a while. I know because I get the irate emails again. <laughs> Beth, I want you to stop. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years, so I promise Good. I'm we'll currently have to, emailing. We'll have to do like, we should do a watch party. We should do it. a watch along. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, another story that you did that I think was really pushing the edge and was very modern and forward thinking is the secret because it deals with the fear of giving birth and the um myths around birthing that were happening in the highlands at that time and the fact that the heroine goes out of her way to learn all she can so that she can be there to help her best friend she is also the most bossy of heroines ever (laughs) like so bossy it has to be you know but look what she came from that i the research i did made me so mad because the church had a lot to do with the rules and regulations 
and uh, it was true. You know, if you had a boy, you got to go back to church after 33 days. If it was a girl, it was 66 days, something like that. And uh, it's just contradictions with all of it, you know. And um, But that is where you meet Roderick Buchanan. Right. And he's, that's the first time you meet him. Then his story is Ransom. And then the descendants are the Buchanans I'm writing about now. Yes. And actually, Ransom just got a new cover. I picked it up at the store. I think I have three copies of Ransom with all of the different, like the object cover and, you know, the 90s redo cover. Um, and then I just saw she a new cover. A search of them all. I need all the covers, Leah. Be nice to me. I know. I love them all. But yeah, Ransom has a new cover and I was so, so excited because it's really pretty. Um, and it's also Buchanan's, which. So when mm. Leah joined the podcast, she joined it and would tell me constantly, you don't like romantic suspense. You don't like romantic suspense. And I was well, like, you would like poo poo it. I would because you weren't picking romantic suspense that I love because Julie Garwood set the bar so high. I mean, Aww. it's That's true. Nice. I always, somebody said to me, when did you stop writing romance and turn to suspense? And I said, never. There's always been a little suspense or a lot in every one of my romances. But I want uplifting stories. I, um, you know, you can have, I want to put them through all these hurdles, but at the end of it, it's fun to think that each one thinks they want something, and it turns out it's something completely different. And that's life, you know, and I don't know. That's the fun of I feel like in your suspense, though, you still have that uplifting moment, like because you have that happily ever after. You have the moment where they they come together and realize, like this is this is my person, like, and I'm going to do whatever I can to protect them and and help them. That's true, but that's true too. You know, it's it's like uh, honor splendor. I uh, things don't haven't changed that much. Fathers still want to protect their wives and children mm -hmm. uh, my father used to come in the door yelling every <laughs> light the house is on do we need all these lights you know because uh, there were seven of us and he the electric bill he was always obsessed about that and I I picture this night storming into his castle yelling every candle is burning because I really don't think <laughs> And nature changes all that much. Um, My husband does that still, like to this day. <laughs> Probably more so now. Uh huh. He does. I'm the one who does it in my house because I'm the cheap one. <laughs> like, do you need all these lights on? Turn them off. <laughs> well, just to drive me crazy too. But uh, there's, I'm like. I, I, I want to ask you, like, the prize, that's another story that the prize and Saving Grace, like, those two books, 
Like, you have the best Highland heroes, I think, in historical romance. Like, oh, and you re- what? I think that they're like personalities. So, because sometimes I'm not always like on it, but like the typical like Highland gruffness and the heroes that we've come to love out of historical romance, we actually do get in the Buchanan family series that we're reading right now. Like, I think of um, Mercy with uh, Mike and Theo, right? Theo. Right. Theo. Um, We actually just reread that a couple months ago. Still holds up. Like, there's not a ton of pop culture references so it doesn't feel dated the only thing it that made us giggle was dial-up internet and fax machines and fax machines yes i know <laughs> oh my you know what's really hard when you're uh when i was writing killjoy the fact that they couldn't have their cell phones around or they could call for help that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, yeah with all this you know, it's, it's more difficult than it was when Agatha Christie was writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, not that I'm comparing myself to her. I'm just simply saying with all the technology, you have to be more careful. And But I'm glad the story still holds up. It does. It's such a great story. And Papa Jake, such a hoot in that book. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Yeah. Big Daddy. Uh, Big Daddy. Oh, so fun in that book. Um, so in the book is, I really hate this kid. <laughs> the one who was always, <laughs> he was a coach, but he won't tell anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, it was so funny when they all thought he was the football coach, and he go, he leaves the the swan and goes out to the parking lot, and they're all like holding a pep rally to cheer for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> And they misspell his name. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's so great. It's, oh my gosh, it's such a fun, fun story. Um, so do you have a favorite, before we get into the Buchanans in the current series, do you have a favorite time period that you've written in? Because you've, re- you've written Medieval, Regency, uh-huh. you, you've done Homesteaders and the Move West, the uh, Highland Romances... And then now your contemporary romantic suspense. Is there a time period you really like more so than the others? It's not that uh, I didn't want to go to contemporary. I love the historicals, but this one story that the scene that I saw, I could not make it work. It had to be contemporary. And, uh, it's the scene in the confessional with um, Heartbreaker. Yeah. And do uh, you want to hear how that came about? Yes, I yes, do. Older sister Cookie to England with me. And uh, my daughter was at Oxford. It was a, a summer sabbatical, whatever you call it, um, and which was a cool thing for her. But we were going over to see her. And um, we were so excited that we couldn't sleep on the plane. And when we got there, the one thing Cookie said, we have to go to Mass every day. She's very religious. And so I said, okay. Well, we get there, and dead tired, but 
we got to find a church. And they found one for us at the hotel. We jump in the little cab and go. And I swear, the priest saying the mass looked just like the actor in Sisterhood. And he had a great, great accent. But keep in mind, I was very punchy at this point. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, or the priest tells the story about the prodigal son. And when he gets to the, you know, what the story means, he just stops and says, but I know you know. And the congregation all nods. And then he told another parable, and when he gets to the big point of it all, he stops, and Becky, I'm telling you, this is what he said, but I know you know, I know you know. <laughs> and I leaned over to Cookie and said, I don't know, and made her <laughs> laugh. And because I made her laugh, she got up and moved. It wouldn't sit with <laughs> So... I'm sitting there being bad because I'm daydreaming and not praying. And I look over and there is this uh, dark burgundy velvet curtain. And it's the confessional where you go in and out. It's an old church. It was really cool. And I started thinking about what sins people tell. And then I thought, what if you tell of sin, and there it was that you're going to commit. And that's the opening line, bless me, Father, for I will sin. And that's heartbreaker. I need the whole story from that. Weird, I know. That's so bonkers. Uh, but amazing. I love that. That makes me love that story even more. <laughs> uh-huh. I always tell people, I always tell people that heart, they should start, always start with Heartbreaker, but you can read this series of standalones, but if you start with Heartbreaker, it will give you all of the criminal mind TV feels, but with a really epic romance. And um, I told someone that recently and they came back and they're like, yeah, you didn't lie. Like, you totally got it. I was like, I'm telling you these books. <laughs> Funny, I always want to rewrite them. Uh, I write three endings every time. Uh, the first one I write and I think, oh, no, wait, you know, and I write a second ending. And I say, that's, that's not right. So then I write a third ending. And I always send in the first ending. How weird is that? I asked a friend who's a psychiatrist, and he said, it's your way of letting go of it. And I thought, well, it'd be a lot easier if I just let go and not put myself through that. But Three oh, endings? That. That's I'd like bonkers. to read some of those other endings sometime. Yeah. Strange, huh? Yeah. Well, okay, so I have to tell you it's funny because one of the things that our community is really obsessed with is epilogues. And I'm like, oh. people, people, why do yeah. you need an epilogue? I have, I have been reading romance since 1991 and epilogues were not a thing. And I actually just recently went back through like your books. You do not write epilogues. Well, you want me to? <laughs> nope. Nope. Leave them alone. I like all the books the way they are. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you guys, if you have a really great author who tells you a really great story, when the book says the end, then you will believe in their HEA and you don't need any more. And that is what your stories give me. Like at the end of your stories, I don't need any more. I got it. That is nice. Um, Yes, so if you ever need an ego boost, just call me because I apparently <laughs> can just boost the ego. Really? I love it. I'm over here like, I'm talking to Julie Garwood. Stop being a nerd. <laughs> no, I think it's fun. I'm just along for the ride tonight. Uh, um, okay, so Miss Julie, how do you keep yeah. everyone straight in the Buchanan family? There's well, a lot of people. I mentioned that uh, I am one of seven kids and uh, a big family, you know, they're all different and, and yet, oh, I know them. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll go to the grocery store and I can't remember what I'm supposed to get, but I know every character in the book I'm writing. I don't have to look up a name or what I, you know what I mean? It's just uh, just how my mind works, I guess. I love that. But I do. Theo's the oldest, so I should have started with him. But Nick was the football player, and so I did him first. I like the order you wrote them in. You didn't need mm -hmm. to change the order. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in my head, you know, um, I don't know. It was kind of fun. I yeah. Nick's story is so good, so good. And then, and then Theo's story. I think that's one of the things that's so impressive about this series. Each story, while it does build on the family and previous books, they yeah. each feel uniquely their own. Each character is their own person. They're experiencing life themselves in their own way on their own terms and I really love that and I like that for a lot of the books Noah's more so the thread that binds everybody together um, I mean they're family but we see Noah well he kind of like hops around well and you meet John Paul and uh, Mercy right. Michelle's uh, brother Mm -hmm. his story is with Avery I don't know there's always offshoots of them you know <laughs> I can't help it I, well, I gotta know what everybody's doing and then so from Murder List we actually got the best friends stories um from uh wait who's the her family owns the hotels I gotta think oh uh, Reagan Reagan from Reagan's book didn't we get her two best friends because the one's yes. the daughter of the mobster and the other one's the journalist yes he's not a monster he just uh breaks the law a lot but he really is a Robin Hood that's so uh Sophie Rose's dad yes yeah and Cordelia is um she's the real brainy one Yes, there's such and see all those characters. They're so great. They're so great. Um, 
so we um so now we have grace under fire this is uh-huh. your this is your first book that you are publishing since 2018 yes um and I this is writing, huh? sorry. i'm sorry go ahead no it's okay i have been writing you know, nonstop, and I took some time off and then got kind of lazy, but I was still writing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't go very long without writing. Um, if somebody said, you're never going to publish again, I would still write. It's just something I need to do. You okay, just broke Becky's heart wait, a little nobody's bit telling you you're not going to publish anymore, right? <laughs> No, but I'm saying okay. <laughs> um, it's the love of what I do. I'm lucky that way. Yes. Well, and I was so excited to get Michael's story, but there are still some other siblings that have not. I know. I'm working on Sydney right now. And <gasps> I have Zachary, who's the last one. Right. The youngest brother, who we yeah. only get some small little glimpses in Grace Under Fire. And, uh, because, um, he's not, he's not there for the parents. On stage. Yeah. He flies those jets for the air force. Um, I I feel like there's always like, that's one thing I like about your books too, though, is you don't crowd the page. Like these families are big and dynamic, but like on the page, like you hear about the, the outside characters, but they're not there to, to bog us down with little incendiary like stories like your focus is the main characters and you bring one or two in to enhance that but you're not overloading us with so many characters at once yeah thank you it was difficult to have them be at Nathan's Bay Michael and uh, Isabel because all the family was there but since I like to be in everybody's viewpoint it was fun for me um, you know, and to keep everyone straight for the reader, but um, they weren't there, and that's why they go off to Scotland too, which is what the point was to go there. Well, and I, I love, know. I love how you describe Michael because he is the man that does everything to perfection. He does everything well, and. Isabel kind of hates him a little bit because of that. I know, you? Oh my God. You know, he's, uh, <laughs> she's saying, when did you do that? You know, she's. <laughs> like, okay. I'm really surprised she wasn't like, hey, are you Captain America too? Because. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it comes. He was a little obnoxious with how good he was at everything. And I felt Isabel's pain. <laughs> I like that he was, though, because she kind of brings him to his knees, which is fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, when he realizes that he loves her, it's dense. Uh, he just, it took him a while. And I like that, too. Well, and with her character, she's kind of a little clumsy. So, like, he feels like he needs to come in and like take care of her in a lot of instances though too yeah it's just what he thinks he ought to be doing but um 
did you like her driving ability? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I was laughing out loud and I don't want to spoil this for everybody because I want everyone to go out and read Grace Under Fire. But when she takes him across the bridge from Boston to Nathan's Bay, (laughs) he's like just dazed in shock and now has PTSD from being in the car with her. (laughs) I know it. And um, is it Dylan is her brother-in-law? Dylan, right? Dylan's her brother-in-law. Dylan Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, I told you not to get in the car with her. Well, he wouldn't let him finish. Yeah. He said to him, she likes to drive back, and Michael interrupted and never heard the end of that. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, that was fun to do, and loosely based on trying to teach my daughter to drive, <laughs> which you should edit that out, probably. <laughs> God, she's a great driver now. But when they first start, oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like every teenager when you're driving though, like you have those moments when you're first learning. And oh, yeah. I mean some adults still, of course, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Julie, what is one book that you have written that you wish everyone would read? Mm. That was a good question. I think, but see, I'd like to rewrite all of them. If for historical, I would You do would not say, need to write. You do not need to rewrite anything. They're all amazing as they are. Well, thank you. That, that's, <laughs> I think Ransom, because I threw everything but the kitchen sink at that poor girl, uh, Gillian, and uh, The Secret, if you're into historicals, for contemporary... Um, I gotta say, right now, Grace Under Fire. Yeah, it's really good. It was fun writing it, you know. Um, But now I'm in the next book. I never title a book until I'm in it, and it just comes to me. Or a line, you know, when uh, the hero in Saving Grace says to her, you're my saving. And I thought, there it is. That's the title. And um, so I don't have a title for this one yet. Okay. I love that. Uh, I love that because I've read a couple books recently where the title was really catchy. And it I like went into the book with a certain expectation. And the title doesn't match the book at all. And I was really grumpy at the end of it because they, they basically told me I was getting something and I didn't get it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I understand it. But, um, you know, I want people to uh, be a little nervous, but also laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of emails from women going through chemo, which is sad that I'm saying a lot, but it's true. And to write that I helped get them through it is such a it makes such an impact on me uh and that's what we're here to do to mm-hmm. make an impact you know so uh, and now while i haven't had to fight cancer or anything your stories got me through some really 
hard and difficult times and um there's comfort in rereading your stories it's like visiting with friends and I have so many memories and feelings tied to your books that um you write exceptional stories and I love them so every time you're like I think I want to rewrite them I'm like wait don't do it (laughs) no it's just yeah I know what you're saying thank you I think that's a natural author like <laughs> feeling though because I mean we've talked to a few different authors who have said like the books that they put out like they're old books like they would love to go back and redo them because they've come so far in their craft since they started. Yeah I I never want to become complacent. Uh, somebody said it doesn't get easier. No and I'm glad because if it does, I'm not doing my job. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's never going to get easy, which is good. So, well, and that's why your stories are exceptional, and readers keep coming back to them. I thank you, Pam. <laughs> um, so, Grace Under Fire releases on July the nineteenth, and yes. that'll be available. Everywhere you get books, you can get it in paperback, you can get it in hardback. Well, I guess it goes hardback first in ebook, and then paperback will be uh, in a not paperback months. yet. Um, no, first hardback. And I don't know, yeah. Uh, the price of paper is that right now everything is unbelievably high. Uh, yeah. I have a friend whose husband is a builder, and you know, the cost of uh, wood, the cost of every it's twenty thousand more for this or that, and you think, oh my goodness, and it doesn't look like it's gonna ease up for a little while. Uh, no, because we can't get parts and we can't get the things that we need, you know. But uh, but they can order the ebook. You can get the ebook of Grace Under Fire, and then it will be there on your device. Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> and ever. <laughs> and I like trying to think because you know I've rebought all of the ebooks. I probably bought the paperback six times. <laughs> so wow! I should just buy them. Leah, stop! Stop rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> I did not roll my eyes at you. <laughs> um, Julie, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. I can't tell you how honored I am that you gave us your time to talk about your stories. You are so sweet. Thank you. I, uh, my ego. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, if you ever need an ego boost, give us a call because I mean, I'm obsessed. I love your stories. And this is like, this is dream come true for me. I never thought when I started this podcast, I'd get a chance to sit and chit chat with Julie Garwood about her books. So super cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Leah, did you go to sleep? No, I'm still here, but Becky is fangirling doing her thing. So I'm just letting her roll. <laughs> Leah, Leah knew like this was going to be like my ride. I'm just here to pull her back when she gets too far. <laughs> it's oh, the truth. Hi. It's the truth. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, everyone, grab Grace Under Fire by Julie Garwood out on July 19th, wherever you get your books. Um, hardback and ebook will be available on release day. Thank you.